0: This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan.
1: Co-host, 2018
0: champ, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight, we are previewing week five of the NFL season for 2020. Uh, Let's get right into things. First off, if you are new to the show, this is the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. Uh, If you would like to contact the show, please email us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Again, that's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. So, uh, week five, uh, this is the first built-in scheduled buys uh, for teams. The Packers and Lions are on a buy. Uh, Unfortunately, the Steelers-Titans had to use their buy already last week, uh, and that's where we're going to kick things off. And that's where we're going to start tonight with the Tennessee Titans. Um, They look like they may not play this weekend against the Bills, and the NFL's response, uh, they've apparently played through quite a few different scenarios. They already used up their bye week last week on this team. Uh, Unfortunately for the Bills, uh, this may be a game that gets canceled altogether, not postponed. Uh, The talk right now is, is that we're going to get um, playoffs that are determined by winning percentage, not by total wins, and given that there's a big report going out right now, um, and basically confirmed by one of the players from the Titans that they were in an unauthorized practice um, while the team facility was shut down, and that there could be significant fines penalties. Um, levied against the team itself uh this is starting to get into the territory of severely serious i i you and i and ben at least have talked about this offline where there is a legitimate concern over a pause for the season i think we're getting dangerously close Uh, The Broncos-Patriots game has already been moved from Sunday to Monday because they can't open up their facilities. The Titans, at best, are going to have their facilities uh, closed until Saturday. So even if they reschedule the game, it's going to be for Monday, maybe Tuesday. I really don't see how they move this game forward, and right now the policy seems to be that we're not going to have a uh, week 18 that we're just going to cancel the game altogether as a fantasy perspective to lose one of your games and have 2 bye bi-weeks for Josh Allen right now. I'd be kind of miffed.
1: Yeah, I'd be, I'd be pretty pissed off um, because it's obviously, it's not the bill's fault. And I think with some of these two, if games get canceled and the investigation happens and they find out that they violated the rules, I feel like you should have to take a loss. I don't feel like the game should just be canceled. Should just be postponed, and that winning percentage should be figured out. I'm sorry, if you broke the rules, you should you should get the loss. Like I get, people get sick in weird situations, weird things, but you know, we found out with the Raiders, you know, and we found out now with the Titans that they're they're not following the very very strict proper protocols that are being set in place and you know and that's what's frustrating so i think even if you put the onus more back on the team nobody wants to be that guy that lets the other teammates down and if you do you're a horrible shit teammate so if it then comes to wins and losses you know and missing games that affects their bonuses and stuff too like now we're talking money like i feel like that's That's what should happen. Games shouldn't be postponed. I feel like games should be canceled. That being said, I do feel like there should be an entire break on the season. At least two weeks. You take two weeks off and you figure out what the hell is going on. You send everybody a memo like, okay, we're going to try this again. Stop fucking up. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, you know, Wisconsin, we had over 3,000 new cases today. You know, shit's not getting better. You know, and like the Badgers now they can only have essential personnel at their games when family and everything could get better or could go to the games. You know, shit's it's not going in the right direction. And it's because nobody's listening. And that's the frustrating thing.
0: So I know that the virus itself is politicized right now, particularly as it pertains to Americans. So For our international audience, you don't need to worry about that. Um, Just be glad that you're not necessarily living in America right now, and this is the time I've been able to say that comfortably. So the guy that we've been looking to for all of our answers since March, Dr. Fauci, said that we needed to get it to a reasonable level of 10,000 cases or less a day in order to basically not have a huge spike during the winter. And we're somewhere between forty and 50,000 cases a day right now across the country. That's unsustainable. This is going to get worse before it gets any better because we don't have any um, real centralized leadership on a lot of this, and we have people who are unwilling to do the basic minimum. You, you can't have it both ways. You can't have all of your personal freedom... That says I can go into Target without a mask and still expect that you're going to be able to watch football every week. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. We're in a a time where you're going to have to make decisions and understand that there are consequences. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't be surprised when your team doesn't play on Sunday. I'm going to make it that simple.
1: And that's what I'm worried about with the Packers and everything. I don't want to get too much into all that other nonsense because we're here for entertainment. But, you know, Green Bay is the number one hotspot in the country, right? You know, our team is on a bye. I'm sure, you know, they're still going to be in and out of the facility. But, and now, you know, with the new CBA, you're not allowed to leave your your hometown on the bye anymore. So they're all still going to be in Green Bay. But, all it takes, man. It just takes one thing. A trash can lid, you know, an elevator button, something like that. That's all it takes. And with the Packers, you know, our team being 4-0 and um, just talking specifically about them to lose a season, you know, with Aaron Rodgers on the back nine of his career, it's it's frustrating. And so now, you know, we talked about it before, before the season even started, how worried we were a little bit about how the, if the season was going to be completed I'm more worried now that there might not finish this entire season than I've ever been. And um, I Absolutely. don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going to make me feel better
0: about it. Absolutely agreed. Uh, the situation is, I don't think they're going to put a pause on the season unless we're going to go into a bubble. Pure and simple. If we're going to go into a bubble, they're going to close it down for two to three weeks and they're going to put everybody in some level of isolation, quarantine, in their hotels, essentially. You're going to have chartered flights to everything, and you're going to restrict the amount of personnel that's available in certain areas. But that's the only way we're getting through this. The NFL has such a level of arrogance to think that we're not going into a bubble because there's so much distrust between the players' union and the owners due to years of hostility – That we can't even do the bare minimum to potentially save football. And I'm sorry. You want it both ways from an ownership. You want it both ways as a fan. At some point, and save me from making a really long, uh, passionate rant, but grow the fuck up and be adults. Seriously. Seriously. This shouldn't be this complicated to be a human being and be mature about doing some bare minimum shit. So let's move on. Oh, I, I did I mention that the Bills game was moved to Tuesday now and that uh, the next Thursday's Chiefs game is moved to Sunday? I, I don't know if I mentioned that in, in here. That just came down uh, over the wire, so... Um, it, uh, by the time you're probably listening to this, that may be old news, but, uh, we're going to, um, try and under, uh, operate under that assumption. So the Broncos Patriots game has been moved to Monday. We're going to get Tuesday night football. We're going to get no Thursday night game next week, and we're going to get a Sunday game, uh, instead. So we are going to somehow get the full complement of games, but this is operating on a, uh, wing and a prayer right now. And I don't think they all take it nearly as seriously as they should. So, I know it's hard to get thousands of people to agree on anything procedurally, but it, it really it really shouldn't be this hard. We're, we're making it worse than it has to be. So, let's get into the Thursday Night Game. We're recording this, you're probably listening to it after the game has happened, uh, by the time that I can uh, safely put this out, but... Let's at least try and preview the game, and then at least when people listen back to it, they can laugh at us for how badly we we screwed this up. So I guess the biggest question out of this particular game, um, the Bears' defense has played pretty well so far this season. The Buccaneers have played, I guess, one of the best front seven defenses. Um, Shaquille Barrett continues to be an absolute monster uh, as a pass rusher. And the back end of their defense has gotten extraordinarily better. Uh, Now, I know they gave up a ton of points to Justin Herbert and the Chargers last week, but really the biggest story coming out of the last weekend for both of these teams was Tom Brady throwing for five touchdowns in the second half. Now, my preceding question going into last week was if the Buccaneers could put up points. They clearly did that in the second half on Sunday against, I, I think, at least a moderately decent defense in the Chargers. So the question I guess I would have is, is, can Tom Brady continue to do this to be at least fantasy relevant? Because we know what Chicago is going to be fantasy-wise at this point. I, I guess I'm really, if there's an open question, it's on the Buccaneers' side
1: um to answer your question with tom brady do i think he can do it against the chicago bear defense no i don't think he gets it done and let me just throw out a couple of stats that i found as to reasons why i don't think so um chicago they gave up the second fewest points to quarterbacks and they played some pretty decent ones in matt Stafford, matt ryan you know philip rivers isn't what he used to be but he's still a serviceable quarterback um and then tom brady the big games that he's had i think he scored in the in the mid twenties, I think he had like a 30 point game, right? This last one, but he had that one bad game against Carolina where I think he scored like 10 fantasy points or 11 fantasy points or something. Um, Tom Brady, he's played the eighth, seventh and sixth um, teams that give up the most points to fantasy quarterbacks. And then against Carolina, they give up the third fewest and that's where he struggled. So, um, just going base strictly off of that type of information I'm going to go with no I don't think that Tom Brady gets it done this weekend against Chicago Kyle Fuller Eddie Jackson they're they're two pretty good defensive backs
0: the one question I do have is is whether he's going to have the full complement of guys I don't think Chris Codwin is playing tonight I saw Mike Evans not. and Evan Fournette are in yeah. the game but again this goes to the conversation that you and I often have about A quarterback's ability to raise the level of the play of the guys around him. At one time, Tom Brady clearly was capable of doing that. At this point, if you're relying more on the other guys, I don't know how good of a quarterback you really are. Uh, The Buccaneers have a pretty talented team to surround him with, and so that's going to raise his uh, level of play. But if they're expecting for him to make the difference between them um, m- doing more than maybe making the playoffs, where we have an expanded playoff spot this year, I'm, not, I'm still unsure until I've seen it against a, a defense that's really there. Uh, maybe it's a matter of them growing into the season, but that remains to be seen. So that's what I'm looking for tonight. Uh, let's move to the Sunday games. Uh, Eagles at Steelers are you do you find any usable Eagles starters this week against a tough Steelers defense
1: that Steelers front is really really good you've talked about it before um Carson Wentz still doesn't have his full complement of players I think I think Elshon Jeffrey is still going to be out and Rager is going to be out Deshaun Jackson is obviously not what he used to be and he'll probably get hurt mid-game anyway um people i like all that much which brings us to miles sanders as we talked about the front seven of pittsburgh they give up the second fewest points to uh fantasy running backs this year so i don't really even like miles sanders all that much in this game um unless they like just pepper him with um receptions out of the backfield um so against the steelers no i'm not going i'm not starting any eagles
0: And then what is your confidence level in Deontay Johnson, James Conner for this particular game?
1: Deontay Johnson has been getting the ball a lot, a lot of targets, a lot of receptions. He was hurt last game. He, or he was hurt before. So now he's coming back. Um, So I like him a lot. Stick him in your lineup. He's going to get a lot of targets. Um, James Conner, he owns that backfield. That is his backfield. Still. I know there was a lot of talk of is Benny Snell coming up. Who's coming behind him. McFarlane, all that other stuff. no, that backfield still strictly belongs to James Conner, so I would feel confident in his health starting him this weekend and beyond.
0: If I felt confident about where Deontay Johnson's health situation was, he would have clearly made the um, yay list for this week. I, You cannot argue with volume. He is the target leader for this team, and that's with missing a significant portion of their Week 3 game. Again, they were off last week due to the... the uh, situation with covid on on the titans game but he's still their leader in targets and the eagles have one usable cornerback in darius slay who i would imagine is going to be going against smith schuster most of the day so this guy is likely to end up getting a lot of targets the one guy i would like to say is a, a potential sneaky play you saw what uh, happened last week in uh, the eagles 49ers game on sunday night Uh, I think it's a possibility that Eric Ebron, he's not going to match George Kittle's output from last week, but could he be a usable fantasy starter this week? I think it's possible he might have one of his better games of the year uh, this week. Uh, Let's move to Panthers at Falcons. I guess one of the big open questions I still have. You have him on your team. So... The open question I have for this game is, Is what do you need to see from DJ Moore this week to have confidence in him again against what is a, a prime matchup?
1: There's this really interesting stat that I found that makes me have confidence in him moving forward that the opportunities are coming. It's called weighted opportunity rating, which is basically a combination of air yard share and target share to measure like his opportunity, what chances he has up. DJ Moore ranks 11th right now in that particular category ahead of guys like Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Kenny Galladay. That makes me have so much faith that the yards, the points, the touchdowns, they're all coming. So for him, you just got to be patient. If you're a DJ Moore owner, be patient because the points are coming. The points
0: are coming. So the other one, or I guess the flip side of this game is, is there's a whole bunch of question marks um, for the Falcons at wide receiver right now. Julio Jones is likely out again. He didn't even come back for the second half on Monday night against the Packers. His hamstring is clearly going to be continuing to bother him. I wonder how long they're going to hold him out this time. If he had a uh, reoccurrence of the injury, this could be a long-term thing. So you would think that Calvin Rid- Ridley would step in. Uh, he was targeted five times all in the first half last Monday night and caught zero passes for zero yards for a guy that had at one point this season, the longest, um, consecutive streak or game streak of a hundred plus yards receiving. It's a little concerning to see how much he was slipping and sliding all over the field the other night and, um, that he was not a big feature. The fact that he left and was not able to come back after halftime, really, that they basically held him out. So my inclination is to turn immediately to Russell Gage, who's already been a valuable guy at least twice this season, and uh, Olamide Zacchaeus from uh, uh, Pittsburgh that produced Tyler Boyd. Uh, And I I guess I just question who the top— wide receiver is going to be in a game where they have a good matchup and you would likely be starting uh your top falcons wide receivers if you knew who they were going to be
1: i'm still gonna go with calvin ridley um one i think he had a down game because he had an all Pro type of cornerback on him all day long and jair alexander but i still think it's calvin ridley he's the guy there um, even if hobbled, I'm taking him over anybody else that's there besides Russell Gage. If he's healthy, then he might be one that I think, okay, he might have himself a day, but other than that, I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley.
0: Well, and the other part I wonder about is the effort level on this team, because there's, there's a certain energy with, uh, certain teams that just leaves you at a certain point when you've just kind of lost the will. And To a certain sense, I think those two consecutive comeback losses that were just terrible against uh, Dallas and the Bears, I I wonder how much effort level is going to be for this team that's 0-4, that's coach has been on the hot seat for basically two years, and how much they're really pushing to get a win, or they're just cashing paychecks. I, I, I don't mean to necessarily question their... Uh, motivation, but they looked a little listless in the second half last weekend. Raiders at Chiefs, uh, which Chiefs team shows up for this game? That That's really the biggest question. Well, they're not
1: playing against the Patriots, so I think the really dangerous, scary Madden video game one, I think that one shows up.
0: The, the Chiefs always seem to find this ability to show up against the Raiders, so I would guess that you're probably right, but... The, the the Chiefs' defense hasn't been the, the problem. I actually think the Chiefs' defense has been um, decently good so far this season. It's whether the offense can match it. Uh, I still think, of course, you're starting all of your Chiefs' uh, top players. You're starting CEH, you're starting Mahomes, you're starting Kelsey, you're starting Tyreek Hill. But it's just a matter of how much they're going to produce. Now, if that defense shows up in the same way that it has the first few weeks uh do you think that the Raiders can keep pace with them as far as scoring
1: um as well as Derek Carr has been playing and I think he's kind of been under I don't think he's been like an MVP candidate or anything like that but as much crap as everybody likes to talk about Derek Carr he's having himself a really really good year so far he's thrown no interceptions he's a top 20 fantasy quarterback um seventh i think in total K- or uh, quarterback rating um but no uh kansas city especially when they're when they're up and going uh they gave up the fourth fewest points to quarterbacks and the fewest to wide receivers um i think the oakland or see i did it again oakland i think the las yep. vegas raiders i think the las vegas raiders have a really tough day in kansas city
0: the Raiders have a lot of injuries at wide receiver right now. They're basically playing with two slot guys, one of them being on the outside in Aguilar and then Hunter Renfro. And then you're trying to uh, make do with Darren Waller being your primary uh, option past that. I think you're going to see a lot of Josh Jacobs and a lot of Darren Waller like they have been because they're limited on the health of the rest of the team. And if that is the case, I guess that the Chiefs are going to roll a lot of uh, fronts into uh, their front seven, put an eighth guy in the box, basically, to pair out against Waller when he's in tight. And if that's the case, I I don't expect the Raiders to keep pace in this game. This could be rather lopsided, to be honest. Uh, Cardinals at Jets. Is this the last can- chance for Kenyon Drake? I'd drop
1: his ass. I'd drop his ass and I'd never sign him again. Uh, he's. We've talked about it. These last two matchups were matches made in heaven. But yes, this is the last chance. If he does absolutely nothing against um, this New York Jets team, then I, I don't know what good he's for. You can't trust him. You, you can't trust him at all. And that's what fantasy is. You need to be able to trust the people that you're going to put in there. You can't trust him.
0: It's not like the volume in the running game isn't there. He's seventh highest in total carries over the first four weeks, but he's getting no passing game work where he was targeted almost five and a half times a game over the last six weeks where the uh, six games that he played for the Cardinals last season after he was traded. If he's not going to get passing game work, then he needs to get a huge volume of rushing and get rushing touchdowns of which he has none. And yep. most of the uh, red zone carries are going to Kyler Murray. So, you're getting maybe some rushing yards at best right now. He's a usable starter, but until I see one of those two things tick up, I would be starting so many other guys ahead of him. I have to see it before I have any confidence level in him. This is, I, I, I'm i tired of asking about him. If we don't see it, the questions aren't going to be there again next week. <laughs> and there's no point in asking a single fantasy question about the Jets. So let's move on. Rams at Washington. Uh, We got a benching of uh, Dwayne Haskins this week, which we kind of saw coming. He is now the third-string quarterback on the roster behind now starter Kyle Allen. If you don't remember, Kyle Allen was the uh, starter for the Panthers most of last year. He went with uh, Ron Rivera to Washington. Again, I, I would like to say that DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey had their best seasons, with Kyle Allen at quarterback. So the question now becomes, does he actually help Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson more by being there than Dwayne Haskins? I think you you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, what he did in Carolina last year
1: uh, makes me have all the faith in the world that I don't think they're going to match what those guys did because they were career years so far. And I do think McLaurin he can put up a really he have a really good year cuz he's he did it with Haskins like he's going to have a better thrower of the football and Kyle Allen I'm still not all the way there on Antonio Gibson but he had a really good uh, game this last week but I think most definitely it helps both of them absolutely
0: The two most encouraging things last week from Antonio Gibson were a heavy dose of him in the pass game and that he got into the end zone If those things can continue to happen and again, he's a satellite player. He does best out in space. So if he's getting touches in the passing game, that means extra, extra points um, for him as his potential value. I don't need him to be the goal back, but get him into space, get him opportunities, get him valuable touches. His efficiency is going to be there. He's a potentially star player uh, from where some of these guys drafted him. And McLaurin, you already said it. He was a target hog. He was matchup proof before the quarterback switch. If Kyle Allen just stays on the same pace, he's still good. I think it ends up being that you made the quarterback switch for a reason. This is a guy who can clearly deliver the ball to a guy on the outside and do it in a high volume rate. Uh, I only expect bigger things for Terry McLaurin going forward. I really don't have any better words to say it right now than it's Rams running back roulette. Each week, we have no idea who's the starter going to be. It's much in the same way that it is for the Ravens right now because they're using all three of their guys. Cam Akers comes back into the rotation this week against a better-than-average Washington defense. Do you really see any guy that you have confidence in starting this weekend uh, from the Rams and expecting a big game?
1: It's tough. You know, I'd put up a... A dartboard. Put the three faces on there and throw a dart. And whichever whichever face the dart hit, that's the one that's going to have the bigger week. That's how much faith I have in that backfield right now. Um, it's what worried me um, in the off season um, as someone that was really interested in Cam Akers. But I ultimately thought that he would own that backfield right now. I thought it would be like an early season thing, and then eventually he would come out and be the starter. Um, But right now, him coming off an injury with Daryl Henderson doing so well and then still not getting work after a decent week, it's tough. I don't know. I don't know how you figure that one out.
0: The Rams running backs are getting a lot of carries and they are effective, but you're still not getting any clarity. So save for some injuries happening again uh, until we see a, a single guy emerge. I don't know how you can start a Rams running back right now with any confidence if you have other options. Let's move to the Bengals at the Ravens. Is there anybody worth valuing right now in the Ravens outside of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews?
1: Those are the two big guys, right? Um, Marquise Brown kind of had a really productive first week against Cleveland. Uh, He had 15 points. uh, He had six targets, five catches. The targets are there for him right now. Um he's had six in every single game except for the last game he had eight. The problem is is Marquise Brown is not turning those targets and those receptions into anything big. He's yet to score a touchdown. He's only broken a hundred yards once, which was week one. This last week against Washington was better, you know, eighty-six yards. Um, but he's still tough to trust at this point in time. Nothing more than a flex at best. Um, so no, those are the two big guys that I'm, that I'm worried about. And those are the two that I'm, would be comfortable starting right now is Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews.
0: Mark Andrews has had two big weeks where he got into the end zone. His volume of targets is low. The only thing that's keeping his value high is the bad tight end market that's currently available. Uh, this is a guy that I was worried was going to be touchdown dependent. So that brings us to the flip side of the coin. The your boy here, uh, Joe Burrow, he's taking on, I guess, what you could say the his first real big test. What are you expecting to see out of him this weekend? And are what's your interest level?
1: I'm super interested in um, in seeing Joe Burrow actually take on a legitimate opponent in Baltimore. Um, Great against fantasy quarterbacks. They give up the ninth most points to fantasy quarterbacks, but I'm really interested to see Joe Burrow in this type of environment Um, in Baltimore. It will be a bigger game, um, but I think he can handle it. And I think this is the game where it's going to be like, all right, this kid belongs. We're going to put some respect on his name um, and he's going to play well. That's my anticipation. Um, And then just something about Joe Burrow about how tough he is, how he stays in the pocket and how he's just been successful doing what he's doing so far. And, um, it's kind of gone underappreciated. Um, Joe Burrow, he's been under pressure on more dropbacks than any other quarterback in the league so far this year at 75. Um, he's been pressured for 75 dropbacks. He's sitting at quarterback nine right now for fantasy points wise. And the only person that I can think that has had this much thrown on his plate with that much pressure with that awful of an offensive line is gotta be Andrew Luck back in 2012. Like I don't think there's been anybody that's been expected to take on this much with such shit in front of him and been at this successful. So I'm looking for Joe Burrow to have a really big game um, against Baltimore
0: Jaguars at Texans. I would normally say with the way things have played out over the last couple of weeks, that this is a game ripe for points. But the big open question is, uh, after the Bill O'Brien firing, again, this is probably, I know this happens in basketball, it happens in hockey, it it happens occasionally in baseball, where they get a coach fired earlier in the season. You rarely see it before about mid-season in the NFL. This is one of those rare instances where, where we have it after four weeks. There are reports of new energy from the team, and sometimes teams respond really well to uh, an interim coach being in there. Sometimes they just give up on the season. I guess the big open question I have is is what Texans team shows up.
1: I think we're going to see an energized Texans team. I think you're going to see one that's flying around on both sides of the football. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of energy. Um, Romeo Cornell is the interim coach, so he's been there. He's done this type of thing before. He's been a head coach, and he's been decently successful as a defensive coordinator. So I think there's going to be an energized Texans team, but it's they're still, they're still the Texans. They still lack high-end talent on the offensive side of the ball for Deshaun Watson. Will Fuller, yes, when he's healthy, he can be that guy. So we're going to see. They are playing the Jaguars, so it's a good matchup for you. Um, So this will be a a game for them to show out, but I don't want to get my my expectations too high uh, for what the Texans will be able to accomplish for the rest of the season.
0: Given what the Jaguars did against the Bengals and the Dolphins the last two weeks, I have a feeling if you get an energized Texans team showing up that they're going to put up points, And I think that the Jaguars still are fantasy relevant against a fairly decent matchup. The Texans' defense isn't nearly what it used to be. So I think this is a game where it could be the high points game for the weekend. And if that's the case, I haven't seen the over-under, but I might be very willing to place a bet on the over for total points in this game. Dolphins at 49ers. After a huge week last week, what type of uh, repeat performance do you expect out of George Kittle?
1: Um, question for you. Are the I haven't seen. Are the wide receivers coming back? Is Debo Samuels Samu- Samu- back? Or?
0: Debo Samuels was on the field last week. He had three targets, caught all three. Brandon Aix on the field. Really, uh, I don't think Garoppolo's playing, and so it's probably C.J. Beathard. So that's likely what the—but the one, um, I guess, addition they're going to get back is it sounds like Raheem Mostert's going to play this weekend.
1: I would say that George Kittle will have another huge week. With a backup quarterback, they typically like to target the tight end, one, because they're the closest um, out of all the positions, and two, they're normally working the middle of the field what you can see right away. And when you have a tight end as good as George Kittle, then yeah, I'm going to be looking his way first, mostly all the time. So I don't have to throw the ball outside the numbers long and all that other shit where I can just make up my money with him working, um, short intermediate passes over the middle. So yeah, I'm going to go George Kittle. I think he has a big week
0: again. Again, the dolphins have been, uh, really good to check down underneath routes the last few, three or four weeks uh, for this season, I would expect him to do fairly well because uh, if you remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt two years ago, C.J. Beathard and uh, Nick Mullins were the quarterbacks, Kittle set the yardage mark for a tight end that that year just because of his sheer volume of play. Uh, I expect that to continue as long as Jimmy Garoppolo is out and George Kittle is healthy. Uh, The other question I have Despite missing a key, few key guys, the 49ers defense has been pretty decent. We still have Fitzmagic at quarterback. Would you be confident in starting any of the primary Dolphin players this weekend? Um, I guess Miles Gaskin and Devontae Parker would be first of mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to always think of the number one wide receiver, especially if you think that the team will end up being tra- we'll end up trailing which is i figured the miami dolphins will be so i would say yeah Devontae parker i'm sure he can get some nice play or nice run uh he had a really nice game um last week against seattle 12 12 targets 10 catches um he's only has one touchdown on the year but you know that's not the end all be all so yeah i would for sure say Devontae parker uh, i would be one person that i would feel comfortable starting
0: I would start Devontae Parker just because he's played well so far this year to the point where you would say that he's matchup-proof. That doesn't mean I'm expecting him to have a big game. Uh, as much volume as Miles Gaskin has seen, his efficiency rating is not high, and I'm not looking for Ryan Fitzpatrick to have another huge game because he's not playing the Seattle defense that couldn't couldn't stop a runny nose right now. So uh, Colts at Browns, we have ground and pound running game that is the most effective in the league against a Colts front seven uh, that has been by far the best defense in the league so far, but they are likely missing two of their three starting linebackers, including their all pro Darius Leonard for this game. Which do you think wins out the Browns running game or the Colts defense?
1: I'm going to go with the Colts defense. And the reason why is because Nick Chubb is out and the Cleveland Browns typically use him to run the football, and Kareem Hunt is typically the guy that is on the receiving end. Um, I know Kareem Hunt is very capable of running the football. We've seen that before. Um, But I'm just going to go with Indianapolis. Um, I just think defense will take over the offense.
0: The Browns' running line might be the best running game offensive line in football i'm not saying it's the best offensive line but it might be the best running game offensive line in football right now and the uh there are two sides to this that i I think are interesting with nick chubb out the guy who leads the league in average yards after first contact is actually kareem hunt by like a full yard so i think he's capable The question is, is he came into last week's game uh, with a groin injury and we ended up seeing a lot of carries for uh, Darnus Johnson and for Hilliard out of that backfield primarily. And I think this uh, is telling that um, even though Kareem Hunt had a big game, it was his lowest amount of touches overall this season. So if he's healthy, I expect him to get a lot of the work and thus I think they have a possibility of really playing well with Darius Leonard and and their other linebacker out. But if he's not completely healthy, I think the Colts' defense may get the best of of this Browns offense. But it's an interesting matchup overall that I'm, I'm very excited to watch myself. Giants and Cowboys. If you don't start a Giant this week, can you realistically make an argument to even have one on your team?
1: It's tough, and I'm an Evan Ingram owner, um, and he's been very frustrating all year long. But in Dynasty, I don't feel like you can drop him in hopes that they figure something out over the next couple of years because he's still very young. Um, that being said, I don't outside of him, I don't know who else you would you would really even want. Like the value of Sterling Shepard, who I drafted way back when, and I thought was going to be a very very productive um, NFL wide receiver but I just this offense is really really shitty um this team is really really shitty and I think you just got to wait till next year when they have a new coach and a new offense and see how it goes from there because Joe Judge is not going to be he's not going to be the coach next year
0: I don't know about him being the coach but I definitely don't think Jason Garrett is going to be the offensive coordinator I guess the one thing I'll say is, is There are three defenses that when your team or your player is playing them, you're licking your chops. And right now that's Atlanta. Due in part the the lack of talent, but also the just sheer amount of injuries they have. Dallas, who their personnel doesn't fit whatever scheme they're running, and they're absolutely horrible. And Seattle, who was lacking talent, and now has injuries to the few talented guys that they have. So... If you're a Giants player, if you have anybody that you think might be relevant, I might suggest playing them this weekend because if you get burned by it, you have your answer. Uh, Broncos at Patriots will move uh, to Monday night uh, instead of the late Sunday game, but does anyone score in this game other than the defenses? Uh, Cam Newton is likely to be out through the uh, Week 6 bye for the Patriots at this point. The Broncos are starting a backup quarterback. The Patriots are starting a backup quarterback. These are two above-average defenses in how they've been playing so far. I, I really I don't know who's viable as a fantasy option in this game.
1: Yeah, I watching the Patriots last week was not fun. Um, watching the Broncos was a little more fun just because they had that no-name quarterback that was doing pretty decent things. Um, but this isn't going to be a game that I'm going to particularly, um, want to pay too much close attention to. I think it'll be one of those games where a weird person that nobody has on their fantasy team scores a touchdown and there'll be a lot of field goals, but yeah, this is kind of a dud. Uh,
0: the Sunday night game might be one of the most interesting of the week. Vikings at Seahawks, more points this weekend, Seattle wide receivers or Viking wide receivers?
1: I'm going to go Seattle wide receivers in the one and it might not be the only reason, but the main reason that I'm saying that is because of the one that's throwing them from the football. Russell Wilson has having an incredible year and a million times out of a million, I'd take him over Kirk Cousins Um, and just the way that offense goes. um, That's how Russ goes. The Vikings don't have a defense that they used to have before, so I think he's going to have a field day. Um, So I'm going to go Russ and the Seattle wide receivers for the big day.
0: I wonder, there is a running component to both of these teams. I don't think it's as clear-cut, because I think Seattle's defense is actually worse than Minnesota's. Even though Minnesota hasn't played well, I still think that schematically, Um, they're well enough coached that they can put together some decent game plans they did have uh, at least a okay game plan and won the game against Houston last week but it's also important to note that over the last two weeks since Justin Jefferson really came into the lineup the Viking wide receivers collectively have been in the top 10 of wide receiver groups over the last two weeks so this may be one where we get a, a ton of points I the uh, big question I have remaining is, is, is this the highest scoring game this weekend?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, these defenses are pretty bad, um, which is what I went, talked about before. Minnesota's really young. Seattle isn't nearly what they used to be. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with this is the highest scoring um, game of the weekend for
0: sure. I might even be tempted, even though there's some, a part of me that still gives that whole Kirk Cousins doesn't perform well in primetime weird scenario that that always comes up around these games I'd be tempted to put just about every relevant fantasy player from either of these two teams into your lineup and just set it forget it at that point last game we have Chargers at Saints can Justin Herbert keep it going congratulations to
1: Justin Herbert of being named the official starter um, that sucks. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor gets stabbed by his company doctor and then finds out when he's ready to come back to work that somebody else took his job. So that's that sucks. But congratulations to Justin Herbert because he's been playing really, really well. And it's never good to take somebody's job because of injury, but he's earned this thing. Like He looks really, really good, looks super poised, and he's got a bright future ahead of him.
0: Yes, it's never good to join the ranks of Drew Bledsoe and Wally Pip, but uh, somebody's got to do it, I guess.
1: That's yeah, tough. Like, how frustrating is that? Like, it's nothing that you did. It was a hundred to ten percent because you got punctured in the lung. <laughs>
0: In case the young folks listening to this episode don't know who Wally Pipp was, he was the first baseman for the New York Yankees in the early 20s who got hurt one day, gave up his starting spot to Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig then started, like, 5,000 consecutive games, uh, the longest streak until Cal Ripken finally broke it, the Iron Horse, who was one of the original uh, entrants into the Hall of Fame for baseball.
1: I have a funny little wally pip thing too actually um because i work at a hotel one um i would say tv personality he uses an the alias wally pip so it's it's kind of interesting kind of interesting
0: i see (laughs) i won't ask for further details uh not to betray confidences but
1: maybe off the air maybe off the air uh
0: i guess the only other question i have I think the automatic response is that uh, Josh Kelly for as much volume as he's had the first couple of weeks has really kind of dipped the last couple. Austin Eckler is now out for this game. There aren't a ton of questions left for me for the Saints. If you're starting Alvin Kamara, that might be it right now unless Michael Thomas comes back. You're going to get exactly what you pretty much anticipate out of the Saints. The... Question I guess that's open is could Justin Jackson, who's now returning from injury, now that Austin Eckler is out, supplant Josh Kelly as the primary back for the Chargers?
1: Man, it's a and I I took a little bit to think about this, and I'm still not super sold on my answer, but I'm gonna go with Josh Kelly at the moment. And my only reason the only reason I'm saying that is because he's been getting the most of the work so far this season. I know his production and his target share and opportunity has dipped over the last couple of weeks, um, but he's still the one that's been there. Um, So for that reason, and honestly for only that reason, that's why I'm going to go with Josh Kelly. But Justin Jackson is a very, very capable um, running back, very quick, very shifty. um, And I think that he could take, I think he could eat into Josh Kelly's role. I really do.
0: If I were to place a more sure bet, I think jo- Justin Jackson is the starter by the end of the weekend. Josh Kelly, if you if, most of us don't watch Chargers games necessarily closely, but Josh Kelly has a fumble in each of the last two games. When you're a young running back, you're a rookie, and you're fumbling, that's an easy way to earn yourself on the bench. All right, so that takes us into our extraneous categories. Underrated stud of the week. I have Justin Jefferson. Uh, This is a guy who's been clearly coming on. I don't think that uh, the projections have completely caught up to him yet. Uh, This is a game that I clearly expect the Viking wide receivers to have good games against a really good matchup in the Seattle defense. Uh, He earns my badge as as the guy that uh, is going outside of the top ten, could be inside the top five uh, by the end of the weekend.
1: I am going to go with, and I don't know if this will count because he's in the top 10, but I feel like he's still not getting a lot of respect, and I was talking about him earlier, and that is Mr. Joe Burrow. Um, Last three games has had over 300 yards, first time for a rookie doing something like that for three straight games um playing against a baltimore defense um that gives up a decent amount of points to quarterbacks but this is a bigger stage for him um mainly i say that because i just want to see how he handles this type of spotlight so my underrated stud of the week is going to be joe burrow
0: so that turns us to our game of the week what do you have as your game of the week
1: i am going with colts at the brown i feel like these are two teams that are kind of similar they like to throw the ball um cleveland is way more explosive on offense with their weapons on the outside but then they're going up against that indianapolis colts defense that's very very good um number one rated defense right now um in fantasy and i think in the league as well um it'll be a nice little litmus test for baker mayfield to see if he's actually made the step and then it'll also be another test to see if Indianapolis is the team that they think they are because Cleveland is a pretty decent team. So a battle of two, three and one teams, I, I like uh, Colts-Browns.
0: Uh, my game of the week was the Vikings at the Seahawks. We've already mentioned it. I won't beat it to death, but uh, the amount of points that are potentially scored, I have guys uh, all over this particular game. It's going to be one that I'm, I'm going to sit down and enjoy on Sunday night. Uh, my upset of the week... I don't know what people are seeing, what Vegas is thinking. We've seen two good weeks of uh, the Panthers. Frankly, I think they've played well all four weeks. Their offense is clearly doing better. The Falcons might not have Calvin Ridley, might not have Julio Jones. Uh, They're playing completely banged up on the back end, and they're still getting two points at home. I don't get it. I'm taking the Panthers straight up in that game.
1: Wow. Bears – um over the buccaneers for me tampa bay is a three and a half point favorite um i think tom brady struggles in chicago against chicago i don't think the bears are that great honestly i really don't but i also don't think that tom brady um has a huge day um and with as banged up as the offense is i just like chicago in this game at home
0: so let's get quickly to our league matchups uh, Akron Pros takes on Cops as Heroes this week. Um, the projections would indicate that Akron Pros is going to win that one. Uh, Ed Winners is taking on should Dynasty. should Dynasty is heavily favored in that game. Far for Life, who's been utterly disappointing after a great Week One effort, is taking on Rogers Rabbits, who's completely beat up. This one might be much closer than the analysts think. And King in the North is going up against a resurgent LDH. Uh, for what might be the game of the weekend in our particular league. Finally, Tom Terrific, the only undefeated team left in the standings, is playing the uh, completely defeated Dirty Carl, who has barely put up anything. Yours truly set the lineup yet again for Dirty Carl to make sure that uh, things were kosher and at least above board, so he's projected to actually have a mid-tier point total for the week. Uh, above at least a couple of other teams including his brothers but uh, i think that tom terrific should feel fairly confident uh, moving into that game of uh coming out victorious provided any catastrophic um, situations uh do you see any major upsets from this this group
1: from this group whatsoever um no nothing crazy i know um cops is heroes is projected to lose to akron pros but not by much just by 11 i think he could pull that one out speaking from experience because he uh he uh blew projections out of the water last week against me and beat me so i think he has the potential to do it um far for life rogers rabbits that'll be a close one um so yeah i would guess i would go because of a touchdown chris godwin was out for that game Um, and then last week, Mike Evans had four targets, two catches for two yards and two touchdowns. Like, I guess if you're going to try to be relevant, score some fucking points. So that'll, that'll do it for him. Um, Chris Godwin has been hurt, um, pretty consistently. Um, I think he left this game too. He left this game with his hammy. Um, but in the process he had five catches for 64 yards and a touchdown, Um, He's still sitting outside the top 20 because um, he was hurt week two. But when he's on the field, he's putting up fantasy points, relevant points. So I guess long story short, the only people that I want on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense are the two wide receivers, Mike Edmonds or Chris Godwin.
0: The New England Patriots upgraded at quarterback, and we all thought that they were going to lose the division. Now, the Bills have taken a step forward, but the – Buccaneers uh, downgraded probably at quarterback, maybe not in decision-making, but in just talent, ability, and youth. And they could have saved themselves about $5 million on the cap this season by going after Teddy Bridgewater instead of Tom Brady. Uh, this was always one that made me scratch my head. He cannot throw the ball down the field. Scotty Miller is going to be their top wide receiver, another white slot guy for Tom Brady. What's exciting about that? This is played out. Uh, Lions at Cardinals. The Lions go into Arizona and beat the previously unbeaten Cardinals 26-23 on a last-second field goal. Kyler Murray, uh, another big performance, 270 yards, two touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins keeps it rolling, 10 catches, 137 yards. I mean, he's by far been the number one wide receiver in fantasy this year. The question I have for you. Is Kenyon Drake valuable?
1: <laughs> you loved typing this one up, didn't you? For Kenyon Drake, last week was the week to do it, right? He was playing against the Detroit Lions, who, right as of right now, they gave up the second, the seventh most points to running backs on defense. Kenyon Drake had eighteen carries for seventy three yards. That's it. He, he it was like. He got, he got yards just because he was fed the ball enough times. Um, so, I mean, if, if he was going to do it last week, was the week to do it? That being said, with as frustrating as Kenyon Drake has been all year long, these next two games are also weeks that he should, could, and for God's for sake, he, he has to. Um, this next game, he's playing against the Carolina Panthers. They give up the second most points to running backs. Um, and then the week after that, he plays against the New York Jacks. Jets, as of right now, they give up the fourth uh, most points to running backs. So, Kenyon Drake, he has an opportunity to do it. If he doesn't do it these next two weeks, I'm trying to find a sucker that'll trade something for him. Or he's crazy dr- and drop because I just, there's no point of having him on your team right now. He's just not relevant enough.
0: So, this is a situation where I might have read in a little bit too much. I was high on him for periods of the offseason that he was the only healthy back on the team, uh, particularly down the stretch when he had some of his biggest games. And his volume level was there. But you just said it. He had 18 carries last week. He didn't produce. And in two of the other three games, he has split a lot of time with Chase Edmonds. I'm very concerned that he's not going to get the volume and he's not going to have the efficiency. And so I think you said it. If he doesn't produce in the next couple of weeks, he is... Maybe a buy low candidate where you trade something away for a usable asset. I might consider putting in a a trade offer for him to try and see if I buy low because I need a serviceable back that might at least offer me the uh, availability of getting 10 points that week. But it's not somebody that I feel particularly strong in if uh, he's a guy I was relying on as a round one pick in a redraft league. My panic, if we did that on this... Um, show a panic meter or whatever would be very high uh all right cowboys at seahawks probably one of the most entertaining games of the weekend the cowboys lose a thriller though in seattle 38 to 31 dak prescott throws for 472 yards and three touchdowns russell wilson adds five more touchdowns through the air probably should have been six except dk metcalf pulled a deshaun jackson and uh, Michael Gallup has six catches, 138 yards, and a touchdown. We also had another performance out of um, a the fourth-string wide receiver for the Cowboys, whose name escapes me. But the question I have for you coming out of this particular game, would you rather have Russ or Dak for the rest of the year?
1: I'm going to go with Russ, and there's two reasons why. The first reason why is for Dak, I think, for the Cowboys to be more successful They need to take the ball out of Dak's hands a little bit more. They need to feed Zeke. Um, They have a top, I'll safely say, a top five running back sitting in their backfield, and I don't think they feed him nearly enough as they should. And I'm not even saying that being biased as him being on my fantasy team. I'm saying that as, like, a football purist. you got to run the fucking football. You have to. Like, he's so fucking good, I don't understand why he's not getting the 20 carries a game. He can catch the football, too. You need to use him out of the backfield. So that being said, I feel like for the Cowboys to be successful, they need to take the ball out of Dak's hands a little bit more. Um, Number two, have you seen Russell Wilson so far this year? And this hurts me to say, okay, because, you know, I'm not a Badger fan. You know, like all Badger fans scream that he is a Badger when he was on campus for three fucking months. Boo hoo, whatever. He has been Amazing. And for, him, for anyone to say that he's not the MVP right now, so far this year, I, I don't know what games they're watching. Um, I think he continues, and I think um, for him, he has to be good. He has to be good for that team to be successful. They're not built, they don't have a running back like the Cowboys do. They don't even have the type of wide receivers I feel like the Cowboys do. Um, I feel like DK and Amari Cooper, they're right up there. Um, CeeDee Lamb is better than whatever Seattle can throw out there. I would even feel like Gallup is kind of right there with Tyler Lockett as well. So long story short, I'm going Russ.
0: The Cowboys have more options, more depth, more talent on offense, and can probably do more if Dak doesn't have huge games in order for them to win. The answer is Russ because Russ has to play like this in order for Seattle to win. All of these people that are ranking the Seahawks in the top five, if Russ isn't playing at this extraordinarily high level each and every game, if he has one slip-up, they're going to lose. They've been in this situation for three weeks, and everybody thinks they're amazing because Russ is playing out of his mind. And, yes, it's amazing, but they don't have anybody on defense Jamal Adams, who's their potential all-pro, got hurt last week. And even with him, they are having to blitz him as their primary pass rusher. This team is terrible on defense, and he needs to play like that. I agree with you that he's the MVP because, again, they need him to play out of his mind to have a chance to win. It's unsustainable.
1: Do you think that Russell Wilson can sustain this type of—do you think he can sustain it for the next, what, 13 games
0: so yes and no yes can someone do this absolutely because we've seen it already Patrick Mahomes did it two years ago that's that's the level he just broke Patrick Mahomes record for most touchdowns in the first three games of a season so is it possible yes uh do I think he's going to do that or be like a 30 point quarterback each and every week I don't know I think there are potential ones where they're going to slip up. They have yet to play a division game. That division is extremely tough. The Rams are tough, the 49ers are tough, and Arizona's tough. And I think all six of their games this year in division are going to be absolutely uh, abysmally tough. Uh, I I think that is an absolute gauntlet. When you think about the rest of the NFC, the fact that uh, the Saints and Buccaneers are relying on two guys in their 40s who can't throw the ball more than 20 yards, that the Panthers are going to lose games even though they're playing well on offense, that um, the Falcons literally can't hold a lead of probably 30 points at halftime. Uh, Other than maybe Green Bay, have you liked anybody in the NFC outside of the NFC West?
1: Nothing. No one that's really jumped out at me. That's really been like, holy cow, this team's really fucking good. I mean... The, the NFC East, right? That's one of the Cowboys Dallas and the Eagles. And that's, the Eagles the, that's so bad. That's the worst conference the, in the entire league.
0: Well, and it has been for years. This And that's why I hate the fact that we talk about it because they're some of the biggest markets. But the Washington professional football team is probably going to draft in the top ten again because Dwayne Haskins has looked horrible. The Eagles have looked terrible. And I mean, it, the Cowboys are going to win that division by default. The Giants look possibly like the worst team in football on top of it. So even though they've lost two games, Dallas at least looks credible enough that they could win some games. But even then, it's the Cowboys, and they've come up short in how many other situations. They may have a new coach and Mike McCarthy, but they look like the same football team they've been for the last like five years. They're the, the team that is talented but underperforms constantly. So... I, I don't know, but as far as Russ, going back to the original question, I'll say he probably does, and he probably wins the MVP because he's got the narrative behind him, and remember that through about the first half of last season, he was the MVP, then Lamar Jackson just goes on an absolute tear, and just runs away with it, quite literally, so... I I think the the time is right for Russ to win an MVP because it's kind of criminal that he hasn't. I'm not going to say he should have won an MVP in any other season because, frankly, you look back at each of these seasons, everybody that won the MVP probably should have been the MVP, and I think that there is more of a case for Aaron Rodgers winning more MVPs up to this point than Russell Wilson. But where they're at in their careers right now, yes, Russ is probably the MVP because he has the least amount of talent – on his team outside of maybe a couple of his wide receivers, and he's got that team absolutely cooking. Packers at Saints. Packers win a thriller in the uh, uh, I can't, Crescent City, I think it is. Uh, 37 to 37-30. Um, the Saints score late in order to draw it a little bit closer, but this was mostly a back-and-forth game. Alan Lazard, in the presence of Devontae Adams, uh, being out, it goes for six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown, including two very long throws. Aaron Rodgers beats Drew Brees, who has 288 yards uh, and three touchdowns, although most of it was to the um, number one stud, Alvin Kamara, who is uh, 27 points ahead of the next highest running back on the list, Aaron Jones, who is playing this week. My questions for you. I- is Kamara going to be the top back this year? Yeah. Easy. All right, let's not even discuss that one. <laughs> Is the Packers offense stoppable?
1: No, man, I don't think so. I I'm not one of those people that watches the Packers and like, oh my god, no one can stop us. Go Packers, Super Bowl or bust this year. Like I'm not one of those guys. Um but watching this game, watching them against the Saints, I sit there and I'm like, I don't really see that anybody in the NFC East, or not in the NFC East, anyone in the NFC East that can really mess with them right now. It's the defense that scares me a little bit with the Packers.
0: If you're asking me for them to go up against Seattle, I think it's a shootout. But that's a shootout I think they can win because I think they can match offensive firepower. And they have more talent on defense than uh, Seattle, Arizona. Um, possibly even the Rams, although the Rams have the single best player on the defensive side of any of those teams in Aaron Donald. Um, the 49ers is a weird question mark because of where they were at, but I think with injuries and all the pieces that they're missing, I, I really don't know what to say as far as that particular team. The, the Packers, as far as possibly being a contender, um, possibly make it to the Super Bowl, you have to like their chances. They're almost a lock to win the division because, I, I'm sorry, I'm not buying the Bears. I don't care with Nick Foles that they're 3-0 and right now. They have not really played anybody that tough. They've played the Giants, who might be the worst team in football. They came back and beat a Falcons team that literally cannot hold any lead it has. And they came back and beat a Detroit team that uh, I think is still reeling from that. So the fact that they've had very close wins against three bad teams. I think their roost is coming home at some point. Uh, It's unsustainable as far as that. So given that Devontae Adams was out and that Aaron Jones was pretty well limited and they were still putting up points, I think this is one where you might put it in the category that the scheme is more important than individual players. And I think as long as Aaron Rodgers is standing back there which I think you could say for a lot of teams, as long as you know Russell Wilson is standing back there, as long as Patrick Owens is standing back there, that these offenses are going to continue to go. But it, it's one of those. So, all right, final game, and this was uh, the game that I was most looking forward to. Uh, I set up my whole Monday evening around this game, Chiefs at Ravens. It was likely basically the two top teams, um, the two top. Gen- or generational quarterbacks, the two quarterbacks of the moment, the last two MVPs going head to head, and it wasn't close. The Chiefs uh, saved for basically a Ravens um, kick-return touchdown in the first half. This game would have been over at halftime. Chiefs win 34-20. to 20. The score really wasn't even that close. I know the Ravens kind of drew it closer, but Patrick Mahomes basically did whatever he wanted at will. He rushed for one touchdown to open the game, threw for 385 yards, and four touchdowns include or including two long bombs, uh, one to Mecole Hardman that was just outstanding, and another one where just pinpoint perfect placement to Tyreek Hill uh, over the top in this particular game. Lamar Jackson's your leading rusher for the game, but he has his lowest fantasy output since he's been the primary starter. Uh, The question I have for you is, is Patrick Mahomes the number one fantasy quarterback?
1: No. I'm going to go with, are we talking dynasty or are we just talking this year? Just a year. Um, then I'm going to go no. I'm going to safely say no. I'm going to go with Russ as number one. I'm going to put Pat at number two. As the totals were to be right now, it would be Russ, Dak, Josh Allen, and Pat Mahomes. But I, you still got to put Pat in front of those guys. Um, but I think Josh Allen, I think he's closing in. I really, really do. Um, not that I think he's as good as a quarterback as those guys, but fantasy relevance-wise, because, I mean, Jameis Winston was the number... Two quarterback last year, I think, and he wasn't anywhere close to being a real quarterback like them. But I'm not saying Josh Allen is Jameis Winston; he's obviously better than that. But I'm just saying Josh Allen. Um, I think he ends the season as a top three quarterback in this league.
0: Well, that's an interesting thought. I, I I think there might be a little bit of recency in that. It, obviously, the season's very long, and we'll we'll see how it it develops. I'm very curious. Moving forward, because I I don't think there are a lot of top-tier defenses in the AFC either. Uh, This is a very offense-heavy year so far. Uh, I think the offenses are clearly ahead of most of the defenses, and I'll be curious to see if things catch up where the fantasy points start to dwindle a little bit. But I'm enjoying the amount of offense and the quarterback play from some of these guys. Honestly, Dak Prescott's playing quarterback well. Russ is playing well. Josh Allen's playing well. Aaron Rodgers is playing well. Mahomes, um, Wilson, it, all of these Kyler. guys are playing. Tyler's playing a masterful yeah. quarterback. We yeah. have so many great quarterbacks across the league right now. It's just really glaring when we have bad quarterback play that it's it's hard to ignore. So, uh, but that's a good point to stop for our recap. Uh, as I mentioned before, if you have some listener feedback or uh, would like a, us to answer a question on the show, please. Email the show at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Again, DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. In closing, thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back again later this week to break everything down for you and preview uh, the upcoming week four. Until then. Talk to you all soon. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM. Thanks, and have a great week.